podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Rate Don't Hate. As you can tell, it's me, Guy. We've all had a crack at hosting this fade out. We went from K to to Dewa to me, so this time it's my season. Tadiwa is busy. He does his own podcast now over on EPL. Um, but exciting news, I get to host, and I get to introduce some new people to podcasting. It's going to be more of a rotating cast this season. Um, and I'm firstly joined by Gareth, new new writer to the website. First article, I believe, last uh, last night after the game. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I should say, after the game. Garrett, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Guy. <laughs> nice to be on. Thank you. It should be well. Maybe you're a bad omen. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, but, I mean, how, how did... Because how did, I think to get just a, a vibe of how, how you treat this, do you, how do you rate people out of 10? Do you, do, you go, do you start at a 6? Do you start at a 5? Or do you, like, work down from a rating or do you just look at the whole package and go he was crap he's getting a four (laughs) i i think i started a six understanding that a six is you know you're doing your job but you're not having a massively big impact in either direction on the outcome yeah probably something similar maybe start with a five if (laughs) it probably depends on the result if we draw lose start at a five if we win start at a six that's how i i usually view it um, but we will get into the players as as you people expect, and we have to start with Allison Garrett, and maybe it would have been a miraculous save, but I'm not really blaming him for the goal. But he had literally not much to do. He got close to the penalty, but you can't really budge him up or down for for not saving the penalty, can you? No, I don't think so. I think he did what he could with it. He waited just long enough to actually see which direction it went to give himself a proper chance of saving it. Um, I think the problem for him was that his distribution was pretty bad compared to his standard, at least. You know, you're talking mm-hmm. about some some definite situations where it looked like he was trying to get a, a quick out ball to the wings or something, and then it just went into the stands, and that's, that's not what we want to see from him. Yeah, it, it was a tough one because I think, Maybe we should have expected Fulham to play quite aggressively. I think we may have been used to Norwich being the promoted team we played, but Fulham, Fulham on at Craven Cottage, which is obviously quite a small, tight pitch as well, they just really com- uh, pu- uh, pushed up on us and we really couldn't get the ball out, especially Allison. So, yeah, may- maybe that's a, a knock on him. Um, I went with a six myself. Uh, Stephen Smith, who wrote up the play ratings after the game, yes, it also went with a six. What have you gone with, Garrett? I gave him a five because of the passing. Where you know we rely so much on that, and it just felt like 
across the pitch we had some problems with passing but he he was not innocent in that yeah i think that, i think that's fair i think 5 or 6 you you're looking at the right area there now on to the more interest basically everyone else is more interested than Allison <laughs> in this game and we have to start with trent we'll start with the uh, with mitrovic's headed goal i don't think that's trent's fault i think he could do better but I'm not going to blame him for the goal because Mitrovic is massive, and he has a he has a run on him. Um, maybe he could have made it more difficult for him, but that I think that's um, bread and butter for a striker like Mitrovic. But his general play, Garrett, was pretty dreadful, apart from one diagonal pass that I remember. But he was a bad day at the office for him, I think. Yeah, he definitely missed a few of those diags that you expect him to hit to feet again and again all season long. Um, so poor outing for Trent. On the goal, I think, you know, like you said, he could have done better. And if you look at that closely, I think really he should be jumping. He should be aware of Mitrovic's presence a bit more. I think his body position makes it a bit difficult for him to, you know, line up and, and feel the striker coming in on, on the back of him. Um, I don't massively blame him as such. I think the rest of his play is really the main thing, but I, I do want to say I think he could have done better in that situation mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and it sums it up. I, I went with a four out of ten. It's just when the way we play, and we'll get onto it when we go in with the midfield. We we I know it's changed last season. The midfield can attack a bit more now, but the way the midfield was playing, you're kind of looking at Trent. We need a bit of creativity from you because the first half, especially the, the attack, was so isolated. And Fulham could easily manage it. Obviously, change with the subs, but as I say, we'll get to that. But Trent, I don't know. He just seemed to be really contained by uh, I can't remember who started left wing for them. Um, but yeah, we we just he just couldn't get in the game. And when he was, it it was very sloppy. The one touch stuff we usually do his combinations with more just didn't come off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a it was an all round poor performance with him. And I went with a four. Yeah, I went with a four as well. He he looked like he almost had it. It was it was one of those situations where there were so many different players who were just a bit off their game, and it's hard to know exactly why. And I think you know Klopp talks about that in terms of attitude. I think Trent falls prey to that quite often. I I I mean you know more often than you would like certainly from such a an amazing player overall. Where if the team is a bit in their own head, you know not not clicking. He tends to be one. He's not going to shine in a poor team very often. Mm. He's really, you know, he's really reliant on everyone else around him being able to function properly. And I, I think when when he sees that breaking down, he's he's not really the difference maker at this point in his career. And maybe we'll see that develop in later years. But yeah, you you want someone of his quality to be able to take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and really push us forward, and he was definitely not able to do that. That's an interesting point, actually, about him maybe carrying us a bit. Obviously, he's, such a, he's basically one-of-one one in that position. Like we, we couldn't replace him, and not saying otherwise, but if, if the team structure is kind of gone, it, it's almost... You'd like to see Trent do better in situations like that, but at the same time, from right back, as you said, he's so dependent on the right centre-back doing his job, the right centre-midfielder doing his job, even more to a certain extent helping out defensively. 
So it is maybe the argument for him to become a midfielder. That may be the strongest <laughs> argument for it is he can just get more involved safety free uh, without a risk free in that position. But yeah, it, it would be nice if if he had a, a spectacular game whilst other people were struggling around him. But yeah, it's a, it was a tough day at the office for him. But no, that's an interesting point. And we'll, we'll hopefully see, well, hopefully see less bad games. <laughs> so, yeah, well, we, saw, we saw him coming in more central in mm. in a lot of games uh, last year, but certainly in preseason, I noticed that he was, you know, doing it as much as ever, pushing in. He's it's like the entire right side of the field is his area if he wants it to be. He can he can go right up to the middle of the field in order to facilitate passing. You know, uh, maybe ten or twenty yards outside of the opposition box. Um, he doesn't he doesn't switch over to the left side at all except when it comes to the I don't know the thing where Robertson and him switch on when we're defending a corner. Yeah. So he's got a lot of free movement, and I think that can be really good for us moving forward because like you say, he does lend himself well to, to midfielder situations, center midfield situations, but he's, he's just been so unbelievable from right back that I'm not really looking for it until maybe Klopp leaves. That Mm. that's my position on the Trent midfield issue that for now he's obviously in the right place because he's so effective overall in so many ways. Um, But maybe we'll see something different from him years down the line. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Why would you change him? Yeah. <laughs> Especially the way Klopp plays. Like, do you really want him playing the Henderson role, filling out right back? No, not really. <laughs> um, so, no. Um, well, Henderson doesn't fill in at right back anymore, but we'll come on to him in a sec. Um, we'll go over to the left-back side. Uh, Robertson, I don't think he was quite as bad as Trent, but there were certain opportunities that he kind of squandered. There was that cross come past literally in their box where he basically had a shot and a cross at the same time and it was neither um wasn't overly involved maybe should have done better blocking the cross for that Mitrovic header but he was I don't think I think it was 2v2 but uh Cabano or Tete I can't remember who did the cross had a good run at him um maybe maybe should have done better there I went with a five myself maybe just one he just couldn't get involved because the rest of the team crumbled around him. But I don't think he had a an overly good or bad game. Yeah, I, I gave him a six for the same reason. I think the his overall play was was fine. The, the, he wasn't a weak link in big situations. Other than you know, could have done better on a couple of his uh, passing opportunities in the opposition box. That one that goes through for Luis Diaz where. You just absolutely know a little bit less power mm. and Diaz has a tap in. That sort of thing, it seems like it's a decision making factor for him where he's he knows that driving it in hard is a good idea, but he might need to take a little bit off of it just for that control. And players like Tiago are excellent in that. And Robertson does so much well, but you think it's just a little bit of finesse needed in some of those moments. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I saw quite a few shouts for uh, for Simicast to get a run. <sighs> Robbo's clearly the number one, but yeah. if he doesn't start showing them that composure again, which he will, there was spells last season. He he, he had a bit of a dry spell, and, and Simicast was in probably in better form. To be fair, but Robbo's the defined number one. But I would like to see more Simicast, and it doesn't really matter at the minute because he's injured. But yeah, if, if Robertson maybe doesn't pick up his level, maybe we'll see more of Simi, but. Probably not, um, but he, he wasn't anywhere near the main um, 
player in this game. Um, let's start with Matip, because Van Dijk, we've got more to talk about. Matip, for me, had a really odd game. Yeah. Because I thought he probably <laughs> defended better than Van Dijk. But on the ball, he was dreadful. I think he did one nice dribble out of defence. Other than that, he literally went full giraffe mode and his passing was awful. And I think it did, his passing is probably what I mainly blame for the for the penalty situation. We'll come on to Van Dyke in a sec, but in a sec, but Matip's pass there got easily cut out and they counted so quickly. But Matip just it's not something we've seen in probably in a year and a half. It's just an awful game for him. It's interesting you say that. I, you know, to me, he was one of maybe two or three players that came out with some credit at halftime. Right. At halftime, at I half think. At halftime, yes, I agree. Right. Actually. I think he looked, he looked like he was holding things together while players were falling apart around him in the first half. And so I want to give him some credit for that. Um, but like you say, his passing was poor. And I think the worst of it was that that one Maisie run he did, you know, bringing out of defense that we like to see because he's getting better and better at turning it into something valuable. That one ended in one of the worst passes of, of the game for him. So it was, hmm. it was such a disappointing moment. I think he's, he's definitely our best cent- uh, second best center back uh, for me. Uh, and on the day, pretty similar to Virgil in terms of overall level who we'll get to in a moment but I I gave him a 5 I think I think he definitely was doing really poorly in the in the second half became a part of the overall problem but because he started strong it just struck me that overall there's not a lot to blame him for in terms of whether or not he could have done more in possession he was he was more reliable in some of the you know, normal recycling of the ball than some of the other players where he wasn't going for difficult passes that weren't going to come off for him. He was sort of playing within himself in that regard, and we don't want that. But if you know you're off your game, then you've got to do that maybe. Yeah, I went with a five as well. Um, It was – I actually agree with with the first half, but I think he was probably one of the ones who – was basically putting out fires when people were causing fires. Um, and then maybe just maybe it's just the lack of the sloppiness that I mentioned. I think it's not something you expect from Matip. Maybe he does the odd yeah. silly thing defensively, but on the ball he's usually perfect. So yeah. maybe that's why it's just more eye-catching. And I just realised I wasn't reading Stephen's ratings out, who has gone a lot kinder than us, I think. I mean, I, I didn't read out Trent's. We've got Trent with a six from... From Stephen, uh, Robbo <laughs> with a six and a half. I, I, he's kinder than us, Gareth. He's kinder <laughs> than us. I mean, um, I can see where he's coming from on Robertson. You know, he's yeah. he's he overall looked like he was having a more positive impact on the game than any of the back seven, if that makes sense. Um, but he, yeah, six for Trent. I don't get it. <laughs> he may have started an eight or something as we start lower. <laughs> Um, Matip has gone with a six as well so yeah I, I wouldn't say Trent and Matip's performances were comparable I think as I said below par but Trent was worse than Matip um, Van Dijk now was it apparently? Soft one uh, you know he, he takes that second bite at it 
And if he doesn't do that, then it's not a pen. So it strikes me that he's making a, he's making a mistake there. Whether or not it's worth a pen up for debate, I would say no, but I think I've got, you know, red colored glasses on when I see that a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the more egregious decision in the game was probably the foul on Henderson, to be fair. But we'll come on to that when we talk about Henderson. But it's just odd because I think if everyone watched the Arsenal game on the Friday, you saw the referees were letting more stuff go. And as you said, I thought it was soft even even considering that. But then, then you see... You you just watched the United game and Brighton should have had a stonewall penalty for something worse than that. Yeah. Basically what I'm saying, Garrett, is the referees are still bad at the job. <laughs> <laughs> no surprises there. <laughs> yeah. Um God. And we've got thought we got rid of the bad ones with John Moss and Mike Dean retiring. We didn't. Um oh, there's only there's only one or two that, you know seem to have a good performance game after game, I think. And there's got to be... I, I tend to worry less about the individual referees this, these days because it's so clear that the leadership is is poorly governing that incredibly important part of mm. football for all of us. Well, that's the thing. I think it's Howard Webb nowadays, so hopefully it improves. But <laughs> yes, we all remember hating Howard Webb <laughs> back in the peak in the uh, 2000s. Uh, what did you give Van Dijk for rating? I I gave him a five. Um, I I didn't, you know, he, he and Matip, I gave him both fives, but for very different reasons. Yeah. Virgil, he had some really poor long balls, really poor. Um, and he and he does give away the pen, and I think that's, you know, he deserves some blame for that. Um, but I don't think that he was poor in defense generally at all i thought he was good at um you know i thought he was good at covering different difficult situations he wasn't at his best but i don't know yeah other than the penalty which was kind of eye-catchingly un-van dyke like i'm not sure why the big outcry obviously from opposition fans come out i'm sure people have seen the van disney stuff which doesn't even really make sense (laughs) I thought he was mostly okay. He wasn't great by any by any means, but the penalty un Van Dyke like as I said, very sloppy. Uh, yeah. And the passing, as you say, I mean, there was a couple, the trademark diagonal which we mentioned with Trent Van Dyke's was basically off as well. Um, so I, I went with a five as well myself. Like yeah. overall defended okay, but the other he was stuff... putting it. He was putting it right to their left back instead of going to Trent. Yeah. Or at least the left back was, you know, moving up on Trent quickly and and was able to get to the ball well before him. But you know, Van Dyke has to look for that space and whether or not he can properly make it and he, he was off it. Well that's the thing. I think maybe the centre backs may have struggled by the reason we're coming on to now. Maybe they just didn't want to pass into midfield because on the day I mean before we get into the ratings and collectively Garrett, we we know we know um, the midfield's the point of discussion all around Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. If anyone talks Facebook on foot, uh, football on Facebook, you're a warrior compared to me, even <laughs> on TikTok and stuff like that. But overall, the midfield uh, might as well ask you the question: We, we see Thiago get injured. Do you think it's strong enough to cha- challenge for the title, considering Thiago? Oh God, let's say six weeks at best injured. 
You know, I hadn't heard six weeks at best. That is worrying. Uh, it, it's not. It's nothing. Anything. It, it's not. But I. I it's not um, information. I'm just putting okay. that as a as a yeah, mm. guess. No, I hear you. Yeah, type of injury and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I. You know, get. I'm gonna get slaughtered for this. I. I don't think that there's an imminent need for a midfielder in terms of covering the entire season. I think in the next year we want to see, you know, a defensively minded midfielder come in to try and, you know, cover for Fabinho and, and we'll probably be looking for another as well to, you know, replace the likes of Milner. But I think Henderson is a perfectly good deputy to Fabinho for that position and often, Mm -hmm. you know, thrives in that position depending on the opposition. So I'm not too worried about that in terms of, you know the the two eight positions and the backup that we have there. Obviously, there's a big drop off from Tiago, but I don't see how there couldn't be. And when we look at how we finished last season, if indeed, like Klopp has said, Carvalho is going to be an option for the midfield, then we have you know more young, you know attacking minded midfielders for those positions, and so. I think we definitely can still challenge with the with the midfield squad that we have. It's just a matter of how much confidence we have in that based on luck with injuries and, you know, whether or not someone like Carvalho is ready for the number eight role. Yeah, and Harvey Elliott, who we'll talk when we get to the Absolutely. squad as well, similar, similar situation. I mean, we don't usually, obviously it's more of a rating podcast, but what, what would you run with in midfield? Now that Thiago's injured, and you mentioned Henderson as a as a deputy to Fabinho, is that where you see Henderson now, or do you think he'll still uh, start as the eight? Uh, I think you know if you're looking for the strongest possible lineup, you definitely need Fabinho and Henderson both in there. Um, so Henderson still in the in, you know in one of the eight roles is going to be our strongest three, and I would probably. I don't know how comfortable he is on the left side of that, but I'd be interested in seeing that with with Elliot on the right side of that midfield as our potential strongest, you know, available at the moment. But I think Kate is not not available at the moment, is he? I mean, I think Klopp said he's definitely back for Palace, but oh, I, okay. I thought right. I thought he was back for this game. <laughs> so I just assumed we had a couple more weeks yeah. of that, you know, when I didn't see him in the squad. Yeah, I think he he was ill rather than injured. So, and pe- yeah. people said COVID, but that wasn't confirmed. Or yeah, denied, so to be fair. In that case, Fabinho, Henderson, and Keita would be, you know, mm-hmm. my lineup for for the biggest games. But at the same time, when you're looking at opposition and, you know, who are expected to be in the bottom half of the table, newly promoted sides like Fulham, I would think that either Fabinho or Henderson in the six would be good with, you know, Elliot and Keita in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my lineup, depending on the opposition. Yeah, that's what I'd like to see against Palace, I think. Uh, yeah. Whoever at the six, I don't think it should matter too much. If well, we'll get on to Fabinho in a sec. He looked very drunk, <laughs> but if if they're both if they're both on form, we know Fabinho is better in that role. Um, but yeah, Elliot, probably one of our better players in pre-season, and Kater, Well, it was the the plan was rotate Thiago and Kater. Now we're down <laughs> one, so Kater will have to play. Um, but let's get into the ratings. And I'll start with Thiago because he came off. When did he come off? It was about 50-odd mins, wasn't it? 51 mins. 
Um, yeah. It's a tough one because obviously you didn't play the entire game. Can you knock him for that? Maybe. Um, I What did I go with? I've noted it down and I've lost it. I went with a five. I thought he was the best of the three in the first half, but he, he himself was struggling quite a bit as well. Maybe it was just the fact the other two weren't doing their job and he couldn't shine in the way we we usually expect him to. But it wasn't a good day, but I think he's the least at, at um, fault in, in out of the midfield three that started. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think um, I gave him a five as well. Uh, there was a moment really early on, first few minutes, where an early tackle comes in, or sorry, late tackle comes in on him. And... Um, and I just thought, oh, we're we're going to be too quick for them. You know, our passing is just going to be ahead of them um, because we have that ability to move the ball around the midfield too quickly for anyone to track in terms of, you know, escaping a press like Fulham's. But the pitch was too small and the players weren't, weren't ready for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's going to be some discussion about whether or not any <laughs> particular player on the field stank the gaff out. And it wasn't Tiago, but you can imagine him being affected by that if just nothing around him is coming off. In a similar way to, to Trent, but he generally has you know, more ability to assert himself on the overall uh, flow of the game and, and make sure things are, are moving forward for us. Um, and he just wasn't able to. He he didn't have he didn't have his passing boots on. He didn't have anything in particular to offer that would be game changing. But he wasn't as bad, like you say. I think the the three midfielders, along with Trent, were were the weakest of the starters. Um, I'd but, throw Bobby like in said, as well, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree in general. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I might throw Firmino into the mix there, but Thiago definitely the best of the the starting three and still not good enough. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing, and the game did change. I don't think it's Thiago's fault coming off that change of the game. I think it was the Elliot coming on and, and especially Darwin, which will probably rate higher than the uh, the starting players. But yeah, I think the rejig in midfield helped, but more so what happened up top as well. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Fabinho, and I went with a four. He did. I think he did the odd nice tackle or bit of defensive work in the first half, but on the ball he was panicked. He was well, just dreadful, and he didn't really seem that comf- confident in, in in covering players. And we did see at times that Mitrovic had free run at the centre backs. We saw their wingers, Cabano especially, have free run at people. Now, I know the eight have a defensive responsibility in that as well, but Fabinho, the player we usually see at, at top four, will dominate a game, whereas this was the polar opposite. He was he was weak, he was flaccid, he, he wasn't doing Fabinho things. And I may, I may be talking myself into going lower, but I, I went with a four. That's interesting. I I was debating between four and five, and I settled on five just because I don't think he made a, a massive number of mistakes. He was, he looked like there was something wrong with him or something. Um, and I think, you know, the, the narrative with Tiago comes into play here where it's a little bit hard to say exactly why things weren't working for him. If it was just part of the overall malaise of the, of the squad in the first half. Um, 
But to me, you know, he's not offering any threats, but he, I didn't see him make any massive mistakes. Obviously, you know, some missed passes. Um, he, he was, you know, a little worse than Tiago in terms of uh, pass conversion, uh, but notably better than Trent to be, or sorry, notably better than Trent and Henderson. Um, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying in terms of how poor he was. And I think Klopp could see that and that's why he pulled him out. But it felt like he was either carrying something or, you know, something wrong in his head, <laughs> honestly, like just couldn't see the game, couldn't keep up mm. with it, wasn't able to have a, pa- a a big impact, but at the same time didn't make many mistakes. His positioning could have been a little better, but he, I didn't see him as a massive weak link as much as not being able to get up to the speed, not able to handle the press, not able to find space for himself, and honestly not, not able to put in the type of tackles and, and forward passes that we expect from him. Yeah, that's interesting because I think, obviously, I, I, I think he had a, a worse game than you did there, but the the narrative coming out coming out of the game afterwards was, obviously, the Henderson stuff is always there. Yeah. <laughs> but Fabinho was almost getting a bit of a side-eye because he didn't finish the season too strongly. And I think he had an injury like two-thirds of the way through last season, if I remember correctly. And we know in the past it takes Fabinho a long time to get over an injury. But I I hope, that hope, I expect and hope that this is just rustiness and, and lack of fitness because we know the, the plan was to have a friendly today after the Fulham game, but I think both us and Aston Villa pulled out of that due to injuries. So hopefully it is just a sharpness thing, as you say, but we don't. Henderson can play well at the six, but... Yeah. It's just a level Fabinho has that I don't think Henderson's ever reached at that at that position. Yeah, and you know, maybe we'd be able to look at this game in general and think about the short preseason, the earliest start the Premier League's ever had, and, and think to ourselves that this is all excusable and that we'll find our stride. And I do think we'll find our stride and that that is a factor. But since we played so well against City a week before, you can't write it off. You You know there's some real problems with what happened on the pitch yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And before we get to Henderson, I realised I forgot to uh, read out some of the uh, listeners' ratings because the, the website do, does have an average. If, and I know this um, show was was locked behind AI Pro uh, in, in the past, but if, if you're new listening to us, um, go check out the player ratings. I tweeted it out a bit. Uh, me and uh, Garrett retweeted it, I believe. But I'll go through some of the key ones because I did forget some of them. Strangely, Robertson's got the lowest out of our defence with a 5.7 odd. Um, Just for comparison, Trent has a 6.5. I think that's maybe a bit favourable there. (laughs) Thiago got a 7. Again, I think that's quite strong. And Fabinho got a 6.7. Again, strong, I think. Maybe maybe some people are playing silly buggers. Um, (laughs) But yeah, for some reason, Alisson got 7.6. <laughs> Someone's been really kind there. Uh, but I won't read out the rest. But Jordan Henderson, then Garrett. It's basically the litmus test of, of, of everyone's opinion on Liverpool now. You're either Hen- you either hate Henderson or you love Henderson too much in either directions. Where where do you sit? Let's get to know you. Where, where do you sit on the most boring but also the most frequent argument in Liverpool's social media? 
<laughs> well, based on yesterday, I definitely would say that I love Henderson too much. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> what I mean is, in general, I'm definitely a Henderson defender. I think it's ridiculous the amount of criticism that he gets. Um, you know, people saying that he shouldn't be a starter for us. Frankly, I don't think that they have, you know, a, a full understanding of the type of work that is needed to keep a midfield working. Um, he He's so crucial to so much of our style. Uh, he's obviously, you know, anything related to him being a, a captain, leader, off-the-pitch stuff, most people agree on that. When it comes to how he plays on the pitch, generally speaking, I would say he's so underrated because the types of things that he does on the pitch are so mature and and he, he understands that he has some limitations. You know, he, he was a very technically proficient teenager and he's obviously lost a lot of his agility that he had when he was younger, but has such a good ball and an excellent passer, excellent understanding of positioning and how to move things around quickly when he's, you know, I was talking about this yesterday that I think he's underrated in terms of his passing ability in, in tight spaces because he has no dribbling ability in tight spaces. Um, so I have plenty of thoughts on, on him in general. Uh, but as for yesterday specifically, quite a different matter. <laughs> Yes, and I, best, I suppose the best way to sum this up is I gave him a free. All right. <laughs> yes. Um, it's it's bad to kick off the season like that way, but so was drawing to full. <laughs> um, the thing the thing is, I'm still I'm sat in the middle of that argument. Just uh, some people other time a long time AI person. Maybe people think I'm harsh with him or whatever. I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle on him. I want him to really do well. I think he's now better as a six than an eight, and I think that's probably been the case last season and maybe the season before as well. But we don't have an option to, to play where he usually plays. Um, but yesterday, he just, again, almost similar with Fabinho, but I think maybe to a, to another level. He was panicked on the ball. He was pressing at the wrong time. Every pass seemed to be overhit until he went to the six, where I think I, I'd say his long-range passing is probably one of his biggest strengths. With, with usually his um, his work rate, um, but it, in that game, as we mentioned, Craven Cottage tight, like, etc. He, he was just surrounded by people, and he just never really got going. And until he moved back into defensive midfield and there was a lot more space for our play because they were worried about Darwin and Elliot could take the ball in, in, in tighter areas. I just thought he, he was basically doing everything wrong. But the 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 finishers are six, I think that improved quite a bit for him, to be fair. So maybe I should have went with a four. But as I said, I thought, as we said, with the, uh, the midfield was probably the biggest issue. I thought he was the weakest of the three when they were already pretty poor as a, as a unit. So... I just went one lower than Fabinho. Yeah, I also went one lower than Fabinho, which puts him at a four. <laughs> um, I, you know, I have him and Trent both at a four, and those are, you know, spoiler alert, my lowest ratings for the mm -hmm. for the squad. Um, Henderson's game yesterday was so strange to me because I do think there's some genuine positives to see in it. Not not in terms of 
you know, his ability to properly affect, a, you know, create the chances, make something really positive happen. But in moments where everyone else seemed almost dis, well, not everyone else, but you know, the, the, the rest of the midfield and the defense for sure seemed disinterested almost in, in handling what, what Fulham was bringing at them. He, he did seem interested in driving the ball forward. He had something like uh, the mentality needed to, to make sure the right things were going to happen in terms of driving the ball forward with the passes and, and, you know, trying to link up and everything, but it was just all not coming off for him. He was so poor in, in his passing game compared to what you would expect, um, you know, well below his normal numbers. Uh, it, it's a difficult one because, you know, you, you don't want to see that from your captain who's mm-hmm. already, you know, received unfair criticism and everything, but I'm, you know, I'm rating him as one of the two lowest <laughs> on the day. And, and that's, you know, testament to the fact that he was unimpressive in terms of his actual ability to execute anything. So, you know, when, like you say, when Fabinho comes off and, and he moves into the sixth role, you see him get a little bit more comfortable. Um, he's, he's not exactly dictating play, but he's making fewer mistakes. I think in our worst moments, he was dictating the play, and and that's where the conversation that's about the whether or not, yeah, exactly. The the conversation about who might be stinking the gaff out. It looks like it's him, and that's why he's received such harsh criticisms. I think, and mm-hmm. so if he's able to start hitting his passes, you know, even the simple ones to recycle the play, hopefully from a six roll against a weaker opposition. I think he'll be fine. Um, but on the day, it was really disappointing. And you wonder how much of his inability to make what he envisioned happen really affected the rest of the squad and, and the outcome. Uh, you know, he's he was in some really good areas defensively uh, a bunch of different times as, as Fulham are trying to counterattack. He understands how to, you know, slow them down in particular moments or cover for Trent or, you know, things like that. But he was, his passing game is the, is the thing that just brings him right down and potentially brings everyone else down with him. Yeah. And I think, I think that is when you see the best of Henderson when he, when he's an eight, it's almost alive, arriving late onto stuff, maybe quick connections with, with a Salah or something like that. But yeah, I think the best is when you see him, when he's literally pulled off to the edge of the box. And he, he, he takes that patented shot where it, it literally first time far corner, basically the opposite of his back post cross that nobody likes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Darwin maybe will like it. But he doesn't I think, really yeah, I think his intelligence for the type of pass that he's looking for is really good. And I think his, his back post uh, cross, you know, first time from the corner of the box is... Uh, it's a bit silly sometimes when there's no one there, but broadly speaking, I believe that's a pretty dangerous ball to to put in. You know, because it's first time, it has that ability to catch the defense out, and he's not. You know, some people will say he does it five times a game. He he doesn't. He does it once or twice generally at mm-hmm. most. You just so, remember it a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, you remember yeah. it a lot, especially yeah. because in the last year it hasn't resulted in a goal even once um so 
it, it's like a, the the reason why I'm not too bo- bothered by it is because it's often a, in a situation where we don't have a lot on anyway. They their defense is starting to become really compact, and he tries to get something in to stop them from being fully set in, and so. I think I have a strong appreciation for what Henderson's trying to do on a game-by-game basis, um, but he's not not necessarily able to pull it off uh, in, in ways that are effective, and he's going to restri- receive a lot of criticism and, and even mockery for that. Um, but what you were saying about him in the in the advanced eight role is is really on point because the games where he's able to affect the attack the most and where you can see him closely involved are the games where he's he's either pushed out wide you know providing a little bit of space for for Trent and Salah mm-hmm. um you know clipping a ball over the top from from a wide angle or coming in late at the top of the box he has some good shots from there like he did right at the end of the game and and there's so much that turns out differently if that shot that he took near the end that hits the crossbar goes in. You know, suddenly he becomes a hero. He got over whatever was bothering him in the first 60 minutes. Because he, he does grow into it. And he did have the right attitude. And I think Klopp sees that and that's why he keeps him in. But he did so much to pull, you know, drag us down when we were trying to, to assert ourselves on the match. Yeah. And you did, you mentioned... Last season probably wasn't his strongest. He played. He probably played the most he has in years, but it wasn't his strongest, especially the start of last season. I think that's when it, it was probably his worst spell in, in in a little while. So maybe it is just rustiness because if he started last season poorly, he started this season poorly, and I think he did grow into last season. I don't think he hit the heights anyone wanted from him personally. I think he had better seasons, but if he starts poorly, maybe the fitness comes because he is. I think he's thirty two now, so maybe. Getting that rust off is just a longer experience for people, unless you're James Milner, who just stays at the same rusty <laughs> rustiness level all all the time. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully he does improve because with Thiago being injured, you imagine the two pillars of the midfield going forward will still be Henderson and uh, and Fabinho with, with hopefully a bit of uh, Harvey sprinkled in. Yeah. Um, just for comparison, uh, what did Stephen go with? Stephen went with five for all three of the midfielders. So okay. he's pretty much gone with them the same. And the uh, subscribe listeners, I should say, now it is. Uh, Fabinho, six, seven, very kind. Uh, I think I've already mentioned this. Thiago, seven, very kind. Very strong in the different direction with Henderson. They went for a four, eight, which is the is it the lowest it is the lowest um by about five yeah by five uh point five i should say um but yeah clearly the listeners thought henderson was the weakest of, of the midfield um and well we we seemingly agree with our ratings there yeah but maybe not by not as much worse <laughs> well, as they're yeah. saying if you're you know relatively speaking I think they've gone kind the other way rather than just being uh, fair on the uh, the other two. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's move to the attack then. We'll start with Diaz because I think he had the least impact, neither negatively or positively. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I go with? I went with a six for Diaz. I think in the first half he was probably our best player. Yeah, off the top of my head because he hit the post. He got uh, Tete, but maybe should have tried. Went a bit more direct against Tete, but 
we didn't really get the ball out of our own uh, any control in the first half at all, really, so maybe uh, didn't have the opportunity to. Um, now, this is more of a general question, but people people come into this season w- wondering whether Darwin can replace Mane. Maybe the question should be, can Diaz replace Mane? Because he seems like a very different player to what Mane was. I'm not saying we can buy a like-for-like for Mane, especially in his peak when Mane was a monster. Mm-hmm. But do we have to rejig the attack, whereas we've got the two goal scorers in more and hopefully Darwin going forward? And maybe Diaz is seen as kind of like the Bobby the Bobby replacement if we're thinking of the classic front three. Well, in terms of goal output, I totally agree with you. I think you know Mane was obviously had his uh, less prolific spells, shall we say, but mm-hmm. he he was our second best finisher to uh, you know behind Salah for years. And was really putting up good numbers. Uh, obviously, Firmino had the seventeen eighteen season where he's you know breaking into the I can't remember exactly what it was something like twenty six or twenty seven goals in all competitions. But since then, we've gotten used to him being the least prolific of the front three. And there's been a lot of style that's built around that. You know, you see him as the the false nine yesterday and not working out the same. But I. I think of Diaz as being the Mane replacement in in the obvious sense of being the out and out left winger, which is what Mane was, you know, as soon as Salah came along. Um, he obviously had his stint towards the end of last season where he was playing through the center primarily uh, as Diaz was out on the left. So I, I think in terms of goal threat, it's... I don't know how he's going to compare to Mane. We don't, we haven't seen him, you know, have the best finishing, but he did have good finishing numbers, and in, in, especially in the last half season, he was with yeah. Porto. So I expect him to start hitting the target more. You know, we use him as an outlet so much in a in a similar way to how Salah was in his first couple seasons, where he was just always ready pace, to pace on the break. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and so we're going to see more of that. I gave him a seven yesterday. You know, I think mm-hmm. in the first half, he was genuinely really good. Really, really good. He doesn't get the finishes, and you can criticize him for that. But I think, you know, the best strikers in the world aren't going to, you know, damn a player for getting into decent spaces, getting, you know, all right chances and not managing to pull it off. He did he didn't really have anything where you look at it and you say it's it's criminal to not score in that situation. He had somewhat difficult chances. He has the one where you know it goes off the top right corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is is difficult. He's being closed down the angle. The goalie's in a good position. I don't expect someone to score that. But if he gets a few of those chances, like Salah often does, then you want the you know one of them to go in. And that's the thing, we didn't get to see him with Darwin as well. We'll talk about Bobby in a second. We've already alluded to his struggles in the game. So maybe if Darwin was there, who literally came on and caused chaos, there would have been more space for Diaz to exploit, etc. And we keep saying Craven Cottage is a horrid, a horrid little stadium to play at by the looks of it. Um, so maybe on a bigger pitch. Um, well, we saw his impact in Wem- at Wembley, for instance, in last season. But yeah, maybe with the chaos of Darwin... Um, then people will probably look to Mark Moore a bit more. Diaz can take advantage of that space, but he didn't really yeah. get that chance against and, Fulham. 
and we can't blame him for not getting on the end of the Robertson cross, you know? No, absolutely. Just out of his reach. Yeah. I, I don't think, like, an NBA player could have got on the end of that cross. <laughs> um, uh, um, more, I, I think I get, said my Diaz rate, and I went with six, which, if he stayed oh. on longer, it probably would have um, been a bit higher with Darwin. What were you going to say there, Garrett? Sorry. Sorry, you went with six for who? Yeah, uh, Diaz. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you Did mentioned I... that earlier. I went with the seven. I I think he's basically, the, my justification for that is an eight without, you know, without any goals in the first half and a six in the second half. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Um, Now on to Moore, who I think technically got a goal in the system. Might, might not have been on the Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah, just for, just for FPL reasons there, but... It may have came back off the uh, the defender onto Darwin's little flick, but more um, more was more was a difficult one because in the first half, I don't think he was bad. I just think he was never involved in the game. Like we just couldn't get the ball to him. They had two or three men on him. Yeah. Um, and when we did pass the ball to him, we we mentioned the struggles already on that side, Trent and. Henderson are your two worst-rated players. There was nobody really for him to connect with. Right, absolutely. And, and as we'll get onto in a sec, Bobby, who he usually has such a good connection, we've had an off game himself. Um, but more in the second half, when Darwin came on, there was so much more space. There was someone to bounce the ball off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot came on as well, which I, I shouldn't be underselling. He he connected really well as well. So when I think as soon as we got more involved in the game, he probably became our best player, especially out of the stars. Yeah, I wrote the man of the match <laughs> post-match little piece yesterday, mm. and I I give him a 9 out of 10. I I think Salah was great. Uh, I, I'm someone who often gets really frustrated with his short little passes that don't come off. He, he seems to be often going for something and and you know, not pulling off what looks like an easy pass sometimes, uh, but his overall effect on the game is undeniable. You know, from from a goals perspective, from from a maturity as well. He's you know, we see him tracking back more and more, affecting situations defensively, understanding when he needs to, you know, hold his run, that sort of thing. The the first half yesterday, like you say, he couldn't get much involved. Some of that has to do with not being able to connect with Trent and Henderson. I would I would put a lot on that. Um, mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, being double marked, uh, not having the support from Firmino either, in my opinion. So he's he's not able to create much when their defense is there. The, there was the in the lead up to the Louis Diaz off the top right corner uh, shot. Mm-hmm. Salah's away. There's a ball through and he looks like he's away. And then he recognizes that a couple of defenders are there to cover him. He's not going to get around them. He could try some magic, but he's he's outnumbered. And he, he slows the play up. He turns around. He avo- avoids a little tackle, passes it off, and it leads to that Louis Diaz chance. And, and so for me, he was the most intelligent of the of the attacking uh, players in, in the in the first half, even certainly in the second half, you know, 
very early substitution of Nunez in at about 50 minutes. We don't, you know, really see that from Klopp very often, but it was a dire situation. So I'm, I'm new, always glad. It's a new era with five subs. You can get risky. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, yeah, we, you know, you're used to waiting till after 70 minutes for the first sub, even even when we're chasing a goal. But when we're down against a, you know, newly promoted team, you want to see that early substitution. And we saw two at once on 50 minutes, and Nunez makes a massive difference, really opening up on uh, that space for Salah to combine with him. And I thought it was so interesting that Salah had two such similar balls into into Darwin before you know the second one actually goes in. Darwin tries a back heel, the same type of back heel flick for both of them, and the second one comes off. Um, I just think you know, goal and an assist. Something to celebrate in such a difficult game. He's obviously able to, you know, make an impact when others are struggling. I, I'm giving him a nine partially out of deference to the fact that it's his six-year running, you know, scoring on the opening day of the mm-hmm. Premier League. It's just wonderful to see that type of reliability for him season after season, just being a consistent goal threat, never, ever, you know, dropping his level to to a point where we would be concerned that he's you know somehow losing his touch or something he's he's developing and changing his style you know becoming more mature like i said and we can't blame the result on him at all i just see him as as a, a really bright hopeful part of the team with the new contract and and the new season where i expect him to to really push on and and show us what he was showing us a year ago that he's the best in the world. You've convinced me to bump up his rating. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've gone to an eight. I was at a seven, but I've gone to an eight. I think I think you're right. I think we can't really. I think you just got to keep him at whatever your starting point is in the first half. But the impact you mentioned a goal and assist. But when the game opened up, he he was pretty much centre to everything in yeah. a positive light for us. Yeah, I, I'm going to bump him up to an eight from from my end and, and a nine from you. He's certainly a man of the match shout for, for me. And you, you've mentioned that you've already written the piece on the site. <laughs> um, but we'll discuss discuss if there's anyone else in the reckoning. But I don't think Bobby Firmino is going to be in the reckoning because um, a sad, almost a sad game because yeah. he, he was so good a couple of years ago. I mean, probably... 1819 was probably his last amazing season. 1920 flashes of what he was, um, and then the injury started coming in and stuff like that. Whereas now you think Mane is gone. We obviously have the Jotter injury, which is annoying. We'll phase in Darwin. This is his chance to maybe have a run in the team, and then you just watch this game and it's like it's not the same bloke. <laughs> it's, it's just a bit sad. Yeah. I you know, I I could understand why he was started against City. Um, he's mm-hmm. so experienced in that particular matchup. He knows. He, no one doubts his pressing game, his ability to, you know, m- move around off the ball and and pressure the back line, stop the stop the passes going into you know whoever's playing defensive midfield for the opposition. Yesterday was was rough. Um, I I don't know. If maybe he needs a positional change to to revitalize him a bit, like Mane did last year, yeah. something to put him somewhere where he can affect the game. Because at the moment, 
and by at the moment, I mean in the last year, <laughs> maybe <laughs> two, like you say, it's hard to see him having a consistent positive impact. He has good games, but he, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with how Mane and Salah used to play so much more narrow mm. than, than we're able to now. And so the false nine role was so inter integral to you know setting them up and overlapping with each other now Salah's often found a little bit out further out wide and you know whatever is happening on the left side isn't isn't suiting Bobby Firmino either so there's shouts for him being one of the options in attacking midfield if we changed our formation but I don't see that happening I almost would like to see him just completely converted to a number eight I think you know it's it's speculative <laughs> from me for sure, but I'd like to see him given something other than an out and out attacker's role because he's so good in so many different areas and goal scoring isn't quite one of them anymore. So I'd like to see something different from him. Yeah, I think that'd be maybe a good experiment, say the League Cup or something like that. Or well, I mentioned yeah. the five subs if we're if we're two 0 up in a game or something like that, or three 0 up if you want an extra blanket. Safety yep. blanket on a game, why not? And if it's not working, you can just tinker with a formation. Um, what 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 are you rating in this game? I gave him a five. Um, he, you know, he he didn't really do much. It it didn't come off for him. He wasn't as egregiously awful as Trent and Henderson in terms of the overall play. He gets you know he gets subbed off in a think rightly so but it, the the biggest problem was his inability to facilitate uh mo and diaz he he just wasn't really involved uh but i don't know if he really count you know calling him a passenger to the game or something like that he just wasn't able to impose himself on it at all and for me, he's not making enough mistakes to really downgrade him into the you know the lo- lowest possible ratings, but it just wasn't there. I've gone harsher than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed. Uh, yeah, I, I've went for the Henderson free as well. I, I've, I've matched oh, wow. him up. Yeah, I matched him up as the worst player. Um, whereas Henderson almost. Not fit. I'm trying to think of the right way. Redeem. That's probably the right, right phrase in in terms of moving to the six. Obviously, Bobby didn't have that that um, opportunity because he couldn't change position. But just in that first half, and maybe just the impact Darwin had. And I know they're very different forwards. They literally opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of forwards. But that bloke had an instant impact. Whereas Bobby. When he was involved, he was sloppy. I remember a situation, I think he lost the ball four times in the space of about 20 seconds. And just like I was watching him, I'm like, we need we need you to not do that. <laughs> we need you to link play and do something. And just whenever he was involved, and almost similarly to, to uh, Diaz and Moore, he wasn't hugely, hugely, hugely involved. But when he was involved, it just always broke down around him. So that's why I've gone gone with the joint lowest for me. Um, but yeah, as I said, a sad, a sad performance from him. But hopefully, he does improve because there was spells last season, but mostly against Arsenal <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> he does, he does like them. But yeah, hopefully, he, he, he has some good performances. Um, you know, 
I, I, I'm I'm inclined to think you're probably a little closer to right on this one than I am with my five rating, just because you know I'm watching the match yesterday and making occasional notes if something comes up, and I wrote nothing down for Firmino. He just he just didn't do anything almost that seemed really noteworthy. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing. I think th- there's forgettable in the in the okay sense, and then there's forgettable for the wrong sense where. When has Bobby ever had a quiet game before? <laughs> That's the thing. Um, just saw this podcast. Well, we have to talk about the subs in somewhat detail, but we won't go hugely on them. I mean, shall we do Milner and Elliot together? Because I think they obviously came on um, at similar times, if I remember correctly. And I thought they, I thought they both had a really positive impact on the game. Like Milner's someone I think has been a squad player for a good few years now. Yeah. And I don't re I don't want him starting game, but when he does when he does come on, there is quality there. It's just maybe when he starts games, his fitness runs out because he is thirty six now. Um, but in this game, he came on, he tried to impact the midfield, and I think he did with Elliot, and that was obviously our best spell of the game. So I went with a seven for both of them. Um, do you want to talk about what Elliot brought to the game? Uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll start with just letting you know that Milliner and Elliot, I I thought they were both coming on and doing good bits. They they make a lot happen. They have a lot more control than the you know prior midfielders had. I think I think Elliot, I actually rated slightly lower than Milner uh, right, out okay. of. I think he he. I would say they both start at a seven in terms of, you know, the, uh, we were talking about starting at a six yeah. earlier, but they started at a seven in terms of just the overall impression of, of the way that they're doing their business, uh, making things happen, trying to work the ball forward into good spaces and, and genuinely support the attackers in a way that we didn't see at all uh, or, you know, very little of in the first half. Um Milner, I I think he he doesn't really do anything wrong. He has like one or two moments that you can totally forgive. But Elliot had a, a pretty bad slip that leads directly to a Fulham chance, and so mm-hmm. I, that's why I downgraded him from a seven to a six. Right. Okay. We know Garrett hates Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> I but love I'm Elliot. Sure I just sure. <laughs> I, like I was saying, you know, I I'd like to see him starting in the midfield pretty often. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I think he does fine yesterday. But I, you know, like I said, one one mistake that just looked really potentially consequential. It didn't end up leading to a goal, but it, it was the type of thing that you don't like to see from, from midfielders that you rely on to be really consistent. And, and it wasn't, here's the other thing. When when we're talking about the eight roles, there's often one of them that's, you know, the more attacking of the two. Yeah. And when you get late into the game, it's you, you can't tell the difference both both of those roles are expected to attack more if we're behind right or 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 chasing the winning goal yeah. Yeah, yeah. um so i see him doing good work but i don't remember him being the the difference maker for the the absolute biggest chances i just saw him you know going about his business in, in a way that was obviously stronger than than the starting midfield mm-hmm. three no, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. I think 
with the introduction of Darwin, who we'll rate in a sec, I think it was almost certainly a better game for Elliot in that regard because he could take the ball. There was more space to operate in, but I think he is more comfortable, as you said, um, with Henderson. He, he's not he's not a dribbler of the ball, uh, whereas Elliot certainly is, um, especially mm-hmm. in them spaces. So I think there's still link-up player with there, and he's, he probably obviously plays as a winger um, before we started converting into a midfield. So I think he can chop and change a bit more frequently and easier um, with more as well. So maybe not spectacular in what he did, but what he maybe allowed others to do is probably the impact there. Um, whereas Milner, I think he came on and was more himself impacting stuff. So I, I can see the logic there, yeah, but I, I just went with the same because I think both had a positive impact. Um, positive impacts then, Darwin, <laughs> goal and an assist. I think the assist was yep. more was more him maybe fluffing the shot. <laughs> um Hey, it helped my football, uh, my FPL, so thank you for that, Darwin. I went with an eight, and you've mentioned Moore's your man of the match. I think just for the way he came on and changed the game by just introducing chaos, I think Darwin's going to be my man of the match, but I think they're the two main shouts. Um, yeah. But Dar- Darwin, for you, your thoughts and your rating? Well, yeah, he's definitely in contention for man of the match. Um but it's hard to give that to a substitute sometimes unless, uh, you know, unless they're obviously unless, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless they're obviously outperforming all of the, all of the starters, you know, because I, I think, you know, Mo's in, involvement over the course of the entire game uh, is meaningful. I gave him a nine. So he's matched with my, my nine for Salah. So in that sense, if you're giving both of them eights, then we're on pretty we similar agree. footing. Yeah, I don't think you can ask for much more than a goal and an assist no. from, from a substitute forward. Uh, but on top of that, like we've been talking about, his introduction completely changed the amount of space available to the other players on the pitch, especially on the right side. Um, the, the, the manner of his finish was something sort of interesting to me where the the first the first one that comes in from Mo that he tries the little back heel for for he keeps it on the deck and he's trying to maybe squeeze it between the goalkeeper's legs or something like that and he and he looks like he's doing really well in that moment so it's nice to see the second one go in but the the one that he actually does score has a touch off of both of the defenders who are there. So there's a little bit more luck involved. Um, but his impact on the game is undeniable. And, and as a substitute, to, to score, assist, create the space, create the outlet, you know, give Salah something to work with when he had been struggling to find anyone to give him give him that type of help in the first half. You know, Bobby certainly wasn't wasn't breaking through like that. I I was so impressed, so much to be hopeful about, and just hope that he gets the next start. To be honest, I I, I don't know how you could not give it to him unless mm-hmm. you're really worried about a specific you know aspect of Crystal Palace's play. I think I think Nunez has to start, and you know he's he's obviously a super sub so far. Uh, <laughs> we saw him score four goals in the second half in in his, his third preseason appearance, but that. That sort of goal scorer has been what so many fans have been crying out for for such a long time, and he he his his stock has risen so much, obviously in the in the past year, where the he's being compared to the absolute Erling best <laughs> Erling Holland in particular, obviously as you know the other 
number nine signing of the of these two best clubs in in contention for the league title year after year. I'm I'm just so impressed with him. I'm so excited about what he offers. And honestly, if we if we can work out how to manage the game better than we did yesterday in terms of, you know, fitness levels, uh, concentration, and and passing, we're gonna have just a ridiculously positive season because you can see that the chemistry between Salah and Darwin is already there, which is the one thing that we probably weren't too sure about. We, I, I heard a lot of people talking about how he was going to drift left. And so mm-hmm. he and Louis, Louis Diaz would be, you know, sort of overlapping. And it always sounded like Salah would be left a bit on his own out on the right side. And, and we don't want that because he's actually really good at, you know, little interplays with, with the other forwards. And he certainly showed that yesterday. The two of them, just so much to be hopeful about moving forward. Yeah, that's the thing. Albeit the 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 result was pretty devastating because we we know in first game of the season and all that jazz, but we we know how tight the title race has been. And dropping points on the opening day to a newly promoted team is not is not great. But we're coming out of the game annoyed by the result. But then you look, our new sign just came on and nearly rescued a game for us. It's yeah. it not a positive spin, but. An excited spin, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's a <laughs> the positive answer. spin. Yeah. The positive spin has to be that you know sometimes it takes a wake up call for this squad to get mm-hmm. going. We you know the the beginning of the season we'll often be getting the wins but not quite building up the steam that we want. And that you know you get ten or twenty games in and suddenly it looks like we're unbeatable. And so I'm just hoping that with this early start to the season and and the way things are going. We'll just see them really react well to this and keep it in mind um, as, as they go through what looks to be a tough start to the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we'll finish up there. I've been Guy Drinkle. This has been Garrett with me. As I say, rotating cast. I'm not sure who is with me for Crystal Palace. Sadly, that is a Monday night game, so we have to wait a whole long ass time for the next game <laughs> to hopefully fix our start to the season. But uh, yeah, we'll be back, let's say Tuesday or Wednesday. Not sure who the guest will be, but hopefully you enjoyed Gareth and I haven't annoyed you as usual. <laughs> but thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.